0: Accidental activists like me, mostly moms, have battled until we're bloody. We have marched in the freezing cold. We have protested from the steps of the Capitol repeatedly to the rural homes of health department officials destroying our lives. We've started podcasts. We've begged people to take actions almost daily for two years now. We've sent countless letters. We've made countless phone calls. We have taken our legislators to lunch. And every day, we pray to God for deliverance, only to be rebuffed and pacified by our elected officials, ignored by our unelected officials. And the infrastructure has been put in place so that next time there's a flu, the people are conditioned, and it will be easy to impose an emergency. It will be easy to force a rush-to-market vaccine, and it just takes one or two small steps to force the people onto biometric ID and vaccine passports. Ready to live at the higher vibrations where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. What Floridians don't know will hurt them. What refugees from the other 49 states wish that Floridians knew? I'm Robin Openshaw. I'm guest blogging for attorney Jeff Childers today on his amazing Coffee and COVID blog. I wrote this, and then I reread this brief history of the last two years, astonished at what we have lived through in states that are not Florida. Reading it back to myself, sounds like we were revolutionaries in a third world country under totalitarian control. In fact, it reads like fiction. Too bad it's true, every word of it. Specifically, I am a refugee to Florida from a socialist state, and I want to talk about what Floridians don't know that will hurt them and what I propose we do about it so that Florida can avoid the world of hurt most other states have been in for two years. I'm a Utahn, a psychologist, an author of 16 books, the Green Smoothie Girl blogger since 2007, former BYU professor, and mother of four grown children. My eldest child was severely injured by a vaccine at four months old, wherein he spent a year in and out of hospitals and it took all kinds of drugs to save his life. At the same time, I spent four years in bed injured after a flu vaccine that I was required to get working in a psychiatric hospital. And after 26 years of being told because I looked normal that I was either crazy or lying until 2021, I quit talking about my family's several serious vaccine injuries. I never had any desire to live in Florida. No offense, the people here are very nice and the beaches are lovely, but I loved Utah where I raised my children, which has the healthiest economy in the USA. Not because of our government, as our cabal governor claims, but despite our government. Utah has an excellent work ethic, a Christian conservative base, and essentially zero blight and about zero unemployment. As a single mom with no seed money, I had built a $10 million business for 13 years. I had found love and gotten married again, and I could not have been happier. So why would I leave my beautiful home overlooking a golf course eight minutes from the biggest ski resort in the country to move to Florida 2,700 miles away? I can't say that the climate didn't play a role, but the real reason can be summed up in one word, DeSantis. Why would I sell 11 properties and run to Florida at the end of 2020 to plant a flag, reinvest my real estate holdings, and do whatever I can to be ready for a freedom fight that hasn't really come to Florida? But it will, and we can and we must organize. Hear me out. I led the freedom fight in the state of Utah starting in February of 2020. We protested in front of the state State health department building, which was empty. Either they were avoiding us or they were afraid of a virus. We marched down Salt Lake City State Street, 1,500 of us. The media said a couple hundred. However, many showed up to a dozen different protests I held. If the media reported on it at all, they reported a number that was generally about 10% of actual, as they have done nationwide. We flew Del Big Tree in the summer of 2020 who shook the Utah mountains with a powerful talk many are still saying is the best talk they'd ever heard reminding us that God gave us our precious divine bodies and where there is risk, there must be choice. Several told me that Dell became Charlton Heston's Moses in front of their eyes that night. Slowly, Utahns, used to having a wonderful, charmed life in a safe environment, woke up to our awful predicament and began to mobilize in 2020. This was before the vaccine was ever even released. Most Utah's don't march in the street, but the vast majority are opposed to mandates. And most are angry that they were bullied and coerced into injecting a medical product into themselves that they didn't want. They're angry that they had to cover their face for two years with a device that clearly deprives the wearer of necessary oxygen and doesn't even work. And they're angry that their children lost ground in their education and were terrified by teachers and other adults whose faces they couldn't see for two whole years. We stood in front of the governor's mansion morning and night for three weeks straight. And then we stood in front of that empty mansion all through a Saturday afternoon at the end, demanding that our children be released from their bondage. Nobody listened to us whatsoever. The media did not touch our three weeks straight of activity starting and ending with huge protests. And the two blue counties and the governor and the lawmakers and the health departments seemed hypnotized. Zombies chanting, we must destroy the virus, while they systematically took a wrecking ball to liberties from breathing air to being able to keep your job or even leave your house. It was so patently obvious to me that we were being lied to from February 2020. I'd always rolled my eyes at conspiracy theorists, but COVID showed up and people weren't walking down the street and falling over dead like they'd showed us in China. Plus, Two weeks to flatten the curve turned into two years to flatten the economy. The Utah legislature failed to pass any bill to ban vaccine passports in 2022. 15 months prior, the new governor suddenly was elected, even though I still have yet to meet a single person who voted for him. We lived in Park City, a ski town, the bluest part of Utah, where you're under 10 feet of snow a lot of the year and everybody around you likes to post BLM signs in their yard to virtue virtue signal, even though my husband might be one of the four Black people in the whole county. Park City was perfectly happy to wait for the nanny state to protect us from the virus with martial law. Yes, they actually tried to enact martial law. I later had a conversation with the sheriff of Summit County, Justin Martinez, and those were his words about how the county and the city wanted him and his officers to have checkpoints to check driver's licenses for anybody driving in or out of town. He didn't want to, despite being a Democrat, and he told me he'd offered to deputize the city council, county council, to do it themselves since they demanded that he and his tiny crew of officers who mostly ride speeding tickets in a near-zero crime county set up roadblocks on Interstate 80 to keep outsiders out and insiders in. We set up freedom groups all over Utah who met regularly and planned how to take on the government from the school boards to the legislature, to the county and city councils. As you saw happening all over the country, we went to school board meetings and we begged for our children to be released from bondage to absolutely no avail anywhere. Parents were kicked out of meetings and some even have trumped up criminal charges against them to this day for doing absolutely nothing illegal whatsoever. A group of people who planned a Halloween party in 2020 faced criminal charges, and Utah County's attorney enjoyed his 15 minutes spotlighted in the media, shaming them for having a party and defending himself for persecuting them and those associated with them. While we got particularly desperate in Utah, we actually stood in front of the homes of Utah's unelected health department officials. Why their homes? Because they didn't go to any office for many months. This finally got some attention from the media gaslighting us and minimizing us as always to the governor who shrieked on social media in defense of his CDC chief, California import Dr. Angela Dunn, who, like Fauci, has never practiced medicine in her life, but who suddenly held the gun to the heads of privately owned businesses, the school systems, and our children's ability to learn and even breathe as much oxygen as they need, Angela Dunn dismantled the emotional health of millions of Utahns. She was untouchable, and anyone who addressed her in any way, she used the resource set of the state against them. Just think, if I send her this piece, she'll send the FBI to investigate me and send me a cease and desist. We stood in front of the home of the outgoing governor. We went rural, and we stood in front of the home of the incoming governor. He walked out and righteously gave us some cookies and then he virtue signaled on social media with a photo of the cookies he left peaceful protesters on a table at the very end of his driveway that's half the length of a football field. The party didn't mention is that he wouldn't answer any questions or talk to us at all. Let them eat cookies became Utah's meme theme, mimicking Marie Antoinette's let them eat cake as the people starved. So what did Utah do? The legislature met frantically in a special session and banned our First Amendment right to protest. We couldn't make any noise or carry any signs in residential areas or come anywhere near the homes of Utah's health department officials who were now destroying life in Utah with impunity. And we had no ability to even unelect them. And oh, how we tried. We went to Senate hearings where the good old boys slapped the highest ranking health department official in the state on the back, making jokes And completely ignoring how this man, who is completely and utterly free of credentials to be in such a position of authority, gladly agreed to destroy the lives of Utahns, including Utah's children. Some of us tried to show, right there in Silicon Slopes, the county where I raised my four children, skyscrapers full of programmers and marketers were building the means of our future digital slavery. A small but vocal minority of us demanded redress, for the suffering of hundreds of thousands of Utah's small businesses, and for the children because they had no voice, not just because they're young and vulnerable, but also because their faces were covered, they were deprived of oxygen, or because their schools were closed in hysteria. We demanded our elected and unelected officials stop their actions causing our young people spiking in depression and committing suicide in historic numbers. The media lied and rounded up some government employee coroner to claim that there was no spike in suicide. We sent FOIA requests to sheriffs and coroners on suicide statistics, and they ignored us. Though one sheriff admitted they'd seen a 300% spike in suicides of mostly young people. Just as they had lied on March 12th of 2020, when I happened to be inside Summit County's only hospital with not one patient in any waiting room. And after an hour of me being in the hospital there, they finally admitted to me there wasn't a single nurse working in the hospital to draw my blood. Plus, they admitted they didn't have a single COVID patient. But while I was in that hospital for an hour, KSL released a story saying that Summit County had the same per capita COVID rate that New York City did. Just a reminder of the date, that was March 12th, 2020. The day we stood in front of the outgoing governor's home in the cold and there were two mothers there, their young adult children had recently committed suicide. We protested in front of every government building. We wrote a declaration nullifying dozens of illegal and unconstitutional actions of the Spencer Cox government, and we delivered it with 6,500 signatures. Of course, no one answered us. And Utahns mostly just kept complying, thinking that they could comply their way out of tyranny. We furiously wrote hundreds of thousands of letters. I personally went to a driveway campaign meeting a man running for the state legislature where it had been advertised that Spencer Cox would show up. Of course, Spencer Cox begged out of an in-person appearance because he was scared of COVID. He never does in-person appearances, and he never goes live on social media like his predecessor did, likely because every live appearance by his predecessor yielded 1,000 angry Utah's shrieking their outrage in the comments. But Spencer Cox did show up to endorse that candidate on the phone. I raised my hand and asked if I could ask then Lieutenant Governor Cox a question. My question was related to his being the author of Socialism in Utah. With the twenty six pages of hundreds of new stumbling blocks and punishments for Utah's privately owned businesses. His response was to say that the lockdowns would be for a couple of weeks, which panned out to be a lie, and to state in a huff that he was a quote conservative Republican, and then to hang up on my second question. I even got cease and desists from Utah's law enforcement, twice, in fact, for each of the two emails I wrote. The CDC's Dr. Angela Dunn, delivered to me by some guy behind a desk who was at Angela Dunn's command, she became instantly irate upon any criticism of her. But we were to stand down and submit to the end of life as we knew it in Utah. These corrupt nanny state Utah government officials have engaged the FBI multiple times to try to vaguely threaten and intimidate me, as well as several other moms engaged in the crime of fighting peacefully and legally for our children's future and the rule of law, the bill of rights, things like that. The crime I committed was writing Dr. Angela Dunn to emails. Never mind that I broke no law. I didn't threaten Angela Dunn, government bureaucrat, or even use a curse word in my emails to her, asking her to stop her heavy participation in destroying Utah under the guise of the case-demic that she actually created with the obsession with swabbing people with a test known to be a fraud for diagnosing infectious disease, Dr. Dunn and other health department officials were willing to spend taxpayer dollars to use the resource set of the state to silence any Utah's who stood up in any way to Dunn and the health department officials all over the state wrecking the Utah economy, schools, and quality of life for two years without any consequences to her or to them personally. A couple of health department officials admitted to us that they hated what was happening, but they had to do it or they'd lose their jobs. A quick note, Angela Dunn, nor any other health department official, ever even wrote me or others back. Some parents were arrested and charged for criminal acts such as attending a school board meeting and expressing their outrage over what their kids' lives had become. Just a week ago, a man named Mike Brown was taken down with physical force used to handcuff him and charge him because a Rhino legislator named Dan McKay didn't like the sticker on Mike Brown's hat, encouraging a yes vote on the anti vaccine passport bill Utah's champion during the recent 2022 legislative session where months of work and thousands of Utahs going to the Capitol passed no medical freedom bill at all. The legislature passed hundreds of bills on things like increasing the tint in windows, but nothing to secure Utah's freedom. Massive lobbying efforts by pharma and huge public multinational corporations deep-sixed Utah's right to govern their own body. Utah's governor and all of the dirty players in the House and Senate receive a great deal of campaign finance money from the same pharmaceutical companies that made the vaccines. The bill that many House reps and senators fought hard for just this month in Utah was deep six behind closed doors after passing the House with a supermajority to avoid the governor's inevitable veto. Spencer Cox has consistently opposed Utah's medical freedom. The Senate clearly stood ready to pass it by a supermajority also, but the bill died a mysterious death and was not allowed to be brought to the floor of the Senate for a vote. In the last minute before midnight at the close of the legislative session, Senator Brady Brammer stood and took a personal minute to state clearly that the Senate stood able and ready to pass House Bill 60, but were not allowed to vote on it. The sponsor of the bill, Representative Walt Brooks, after fighting for his bill for months, was somehow mentally broken in a closed door caucus meeting of Utah's most corrupt House and Senate leaders. He came out of that meeting dazed and quietly retracted his bill that he had fought for for months. No one to this day knows what they did to Representative Walt Brooks. Welcome to Utah. Now you know why we fled to the edge of the continent, where if we ran another hundred feet, we would drown in the Atlantic. What's the point of telling, especially Floridians, this story? Here's why. And it's super important, so I hope you really listened. Because this kind of thing that reads like fiction has happened in almost every state of the country. Accidental activists like me, mostly moms, have battled until we're bloody. We have marched in the freezing cold We have protested from the steps of the Capitol repeatedly to the rural homes of health department officials destroying our lives. We've started podcasts. We've begged people to take actions almost daily for two years now. We've sent countless letters. We've made countless phone calls. We have taken our legislators to lunch, and every day we pray to God for deliverance only to be rebuffed and pacified by our elected officials, ignored by our unelected officials. And the infrastructure has been put in place so that next time there's a flu, the people are conditioned and it will be easy to impose an emergency. It will be easy to force a rush to market vaccine. And it just takes one or two small steps to force the people onto biometric ID and vaccine passports, all for control and a complete changeover to a totalitarian government regime, but always flying under the flag of protection and safety. If you calm yourself with the thought that they don't have the enforcement they need from police to take sticks and guns against us, as we've seen in Canada and Australia and other nations we used to think of as peaceful democratic countries, just know that the vaccine passport is the end of the line. They don't need armies of police willing to commit acts of violence against their neighbors when our lives are reduced to access to groceries, ability to attend college, and basic status as a human being allowed to leave your home. Reduced to whether your passport shows green, yellow, or red. Your passport will be green when you did what you were told and you are current on all your injections. Perhaps you'll need to catch up on your injections. Watch a docu-series about the heroes developing the seven-part universal flu vaccine that released on Netflix in January of 2020. Make sure you read that date again, January of 2020. The name of the docu-series, Pandemic. The five-part series works hard to make you think that the people who want you to be forced To inject seven large syringes of their product into your body are heroes. Even though if they succeed, of course, they'll be overnight billionaires protected from any legal action. Do you doubt that one of the most politically conservative states in the nation, Utah, pioneered the vaccine passport? Many in Utah are proud that the infrastructure was in place in Utah first. A small minority of Utah, mostly liberals, who love the idea of a nanny state making our decisions for us, feel they took one for the team or they took three for the team, and they want the rest of us to be forced to do so too. And now the law in one of the most conservative states in the country leaves vaccine passports on the table for this next year, since the legislative session is now over, with the Senate not even allowed to vote on the bill. Utah's most corrupt legislators will go down in history not just as Governor Spencer Cox being the author of Socialism in Utah with his massive 26-page Utah Leads Together document of tables and charts from 2020, newly governing with an iron fist Utah's small businesses with hundreds of new draconian restrictions, but also Senators Dan McKay and Stuart Adams. And don't forget Representatives Brad Wilson, Mike Schultz, and Tim Hawks. All of these men have proven themselves to be the enemies of basic human rights in Utah. They receive their marching orders from pharma, not you, the people they represent, rights as fundamental as the right to your own body. In Utah, as in most of the United States, we've had to carefully watch and identify who the worst of the bad players are and hold them accountable. Most of the dealings of these corrupt players that have been destroying Utah's medical freedom, have been behind closed doors, away from the eyes of the people they represent. Utah's universities, Utah's governors the past 20 years from Huntsman to Cox, and even the dominant religion are in bed with the Rockefeller Foundation. Utah was the first in the country to have a vaccine passport, even though the people have resisted it mightily, The corrupt House and Senate leadership managed to keep it from a final vote, even though both houses of the legislature voted it through or wanted to. And five overflow rooms full of Utahns breathed down their necks, demanding their freedom codified into law. We have lost confidence in our public health officials, particularly the Governor Spencer Cox and Utah Health Department agenda. The vast majority of the House and Senate stood with us, and in the end, it didn't matter. There is little left of the founders separation of powers written into our brilliant constitution. The governor heavily pressures the legislature and the corrupt leadership of Utah's two houses of the legislature who conspired together to deny 3.2 million Utahs the most fundamental human right there is. Some of Utah's freedom fight leaders too have become entangled in the web of Utah's power structure. They find it heady that important men call them a couple of times a year, share their secrets, and enlist these ladies in the game of keeping information from the people and doing nothing to secure freedom. And it makes these ladies feel important. And over time, they lose their focus on medical freedom for Utah's and they slowly slide into what Lenin called useful idiots for the people abusing us. In short, sadly, some of those you may think are fighting for medical freedom actually have Stockholm Syndrome. They've bonded with our abusers and they spend most of their time trying to stop any of us who are willing to take any meaningful action to create change and rescue our children's future. Others fighting for Utah's medical freedom are heroic and they do whatever is right. They do the heavy lifting over and over and over while their neighbors sleep through this nightmare. And many of them do so at great personal cost. Utah has doctors and scientists and lawyers and thought leaders putting their shoulder to the wheel to make sure our children are not enslaved and our privately owned businesses do not become extinct. We need a new chamber of commerce as that large old organization has been bought and paid for. The chamber put all its weight behind destroying medical freedom and bullying businesses into being enforcers of aggressive state mandates and socialism. So what should we do about this in Florida? We've put together a seven-city tour with the greatest doctors, scientists, attorneys, thought leaders, and even artists. The goal isn't just to educate and empower and inspire you. The goal is to gather the good people of Florida, the ones who see the danger in front of us, and take action. Just joining the waitlist means you've connected to the people in Florida who will stand up to this. I've been connecting the last year and a half as a new citizen in Florida to some of the most amazing doctors and scientists and attorneys willing to lay it all on the line because like you, they don't want to be on a passport system where even progressive Democrats like Dr. Naomi Wolf and attorney Robert F. Kennedy Jr., nephew of the president and son of the senator who both died standing up to the deep state, remind us that we cannot comply our way out of tyranny and that vaccine passports are the ultimate end of democracy and ownership of the one thing you ever really own, your own body. After all, the cabal appears to have installed the sitting American president and probably many of our governors. Will they succeed at replacing DeSantis at the end of 2022, despite his massive popularity with a big majority of the people? Who knows? But we need to do all we can And everyone who joins the waitlist for this powerful tour are joining the Army. Eventually, Florida will likely be in the same boat the rest of us have been for two years. Floridians must organize now so that they aren't out running the steamroller by six inches as Utah has been for more than two years. So join the waitlist today. When that waitlist hits 20,000 or on April 5th, whichever comes first, we will release tickets and there'll be only $35 on the early bird special, and those tickets will go fast. The doctors and scientists who put it all on the line are flying in to be part of this tour, so stand up with us in Florida. Or if you want to join this event by streaming, get on the wait list to stand for Florida. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you either in person or streaming starting April 19th in seven cities in Florida.